going to be a lot of things that are set out over here. But we'd like to ask you to wait. Today's verse is John 1.14. You can find it on page 750 on the Red Bibles. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Please add a reading blessing to the reading of God's word. You may be seated. All right. So I don't know about many of you, but I've been fighting uh, this cold that's been going around. And my daughters, being the wonderful girls that they are, gave it to me as a gift. And, um, and so they have been fighting that a little bit. Um, but normally, I, I wanted to explain to you a little bit about what we're doing with our time in, in this, our sermon time and where we're going. Um, because we're on a little series right now called Focus for the Future. And what we're trying to do right now is we're trying to focus in on our vision. And the whole idea is who are we and, and how does that inform what we're becoming? Um, and then next week, we're going to start into the second part of that series where it's about calling. And we're going to talk about what is Jesus is calling for us. And then we're going to get into a whole new series and we're going to focus on the person of Jesus. And one of the things we're going to focus on, I don't know if any of you have ever studied um, the, the seven I am statements of Jesus, but we're going to study through those. And I just believe that whenever you begin to dig deeply into Scripture, whenever you begin to dig deeply into who God is revealed, then powerful things happen. And so um, we're going to begin to dig deeply into all of that. But today is a little bit lighter. Today is a fun day. Today is about telling stories. Today is about seeing what God has been doing. Today is about figuring out who we have been becoming and now how will we become the church um, into the future. Um, so I've been working with kids for probably 13 years. Eight years here and another uh, few years with the, through the city of Gondora, I've worked with teenagers. And one of the things that I've learned is that the kids who succeed and do really, really well I don't even know how I define success, by the way, but the kids who do really, really well have a strong identity of who they are. They know who they are. They're very formed in their thinking. They, have, they know exactly who they are and who they're becoming, and they have this clear focus, and these kids do very well. The kids who have a rougher time or have some more hiccups in lives usually just are trying to struggle, and they're acting out because they're trying to figure out who they are. And, and this is all about identity right? Our identity is extremely important to us. Of course, we know that we're made in the image of a God who loves us. He, he deeply uh, put his image within each one of us, and we know that. Um, but growing up, you need to figure out, who am I? What is, where did my family come from? Uh, where did I come from? How did I get here? And I think that we even have that same question as a church, is what is our identity? So as a, children want to know a couple things growing up. They want to know that they belong, one thing. And two, they want to know that they're becoming something. So belonging and becoming become very important in a child's formation. And so for my girls, even though they have no idea what we're doing, um, it, well, Emma might kind of know, but every single night, well, almost every night, most nights do that, <laughs> most nights, I tell Emma and Lucy the story of when they were born. I tell them how important they are. I tell them how great it was that day that we got to bring you home and, and how excited we were and how everybody was there taking pictures and how everybody got to hold them and grandma and grandpa and everybody were there. And, and 
it's not that they understand that right now, but I know that they'll have this sense that I belong to this family and that I'm becoming something. And, and they'll have this sense of beginning to form their identity because I want them to have such a solid identity. I feel like my job is at age, whenever they graduate college or, um, or something, they'd be able to stand on their own two feet and they'd be able to, uh, to be productive adults. And so we want to form their identity deeply. I want them to have a strong sense of self-awareness. I want them to be on track. Um, I want them to be Christians by their own decision, not by my decision. I want all this stuff for them because I want, and, and part of what I'm going to do is form their identity. And I'm going to intentionally do that. And I think our church, I was thinking through this, our church has a very definite identity. And we've had this identity that's changed and shifted over the years. And one of the things, the way I learn is through context. And um, that is by understanding the full story. So today, NCF, I thought I'd tell you the story of how you were born. And it's not, there's not going to be a lot of disgusting things. There's, I'm not going to show pictures. There's no delivery room shots. But I'll tell you the story of how you were born. In 1952, a certain pastor from El Monte heard a sermon from a guy named Orville Butcher. Orville Butcher recently passed away a couple years ago. He was the founding pastor of a church called Skyline Church in San Diego. And this gentleman, his name, <clears throat> excuse me, like I said, fighting a cold. This gentleman's name was Richard Rosso, the, pa the pastor of the congregation, El, um, Cogswell, El Monte Wesleyan Methodist Church. He heard a sermon. And because of this sermon in 1952, he said, I feel called to build a church in Covina. And this is all the way in El Monte. He said, I feel called to build a church in, in, in uh, Covina. There's avocado groves all over the place here. Had we known the price of avocados were going to skyrocket, they probably wouldn't have built the church here. They probably would have said, let's buy it. I feel called to buy an avocado orchard. But, <laughs> I mean, seriously, like a dollar a piece, who pays that? Um, in any case, they felt called to build a church. And so... Without a congregation really to speak of, they build a church. I mean, there's a few people committed to go over to this thing. And in 1955, with only 37 charter members, they start Arrow Highway Wesleyan Church. And that's the church you're sitting in. They build this building from, I wasn't here, but from, from the records that I've, I've read, they've built this building, they've built the building across the way, um, our fellowship hall. In 1955, they called a pastor named Archie Mudgett to come down from South Dakota to pastor this church. By 1958, the church had an average Sunday school attendance of 368 people. That's Sunday school. That's before church services. And by the way, we still have two charter members of this church. Malcolm Robinson, will you wave your hand back there? Malcolm is a charter member of this church, one of the first people. And absolutely vision this lasted the test of time. And the other one um, is Myrtle Anderson, who you should all go visit, by the way, because she is a, she's a whippersnapper, that lady. That lady is amazing. I met with her, and I, I came out, uh, Pastor Earl and I went and met, and I came out saying, I'm so excited that I just met with Myrtle. That woman has just got a ball of energy. And she sat with us like she was having the meeting with us and wanted to know what was happening and things like that. And I felt like I reported to Myrtle, and it was great. But in any case, keep continuing on. 
1958, 368 people was the average Sunday school attendance. In 1960, we sent our first missionaries to the Philippines. In 1962, the first church mortgage was burned. And there was a total of 41 Sunday school classes. By the way, that building, the education building, was not yet here. Where did they all meet? I have no idea. Maybe they, it was the 60s. They probably all had blankets out and they were a bunch of hippies. Right, Malcolm? No? Okay. In, in 1965, our youth program that went from junior high to college had a total of 232 students. The most we've ever had under my leadership, by the way, is about 45. Well, with people attending all at one time. Extended, we probably had a lot more, but all attending at one time. In 1969 through 1970, we broke ground and built the education building in the, and in the midst of this, the church bought its first bus, which actually broke down on its maiden voyage, thus calling it, they called it the Titanic because it just <laughs> didn't, didn't last. But the church ended up using it for years and years to come because there was a people that heard a pastor's sermon that had a vision to reach people for Jesus. That's why all this was happening. It wasn't just to build a building. By the way, I think it's very interesting that in life, not just in the, the scripture that Gabby uh, read, but in life, words do become flesh. That whole sticks and stones thing, that's just a bunch of junk. They, they, words do hurt. But we're, because words actually become flesh, words actually materialize into things. And this pastor who spoke this message materialized into a church. He had no idea that this was going to happen. But it materialized into a church. It materialized into a people. It materialized into reaching an entire valley for Christ. Let's keep going. In uh, 1986, I'm sorry, going back, I skipped a step. In 1974, the church successfully protested the sale of alcohol by a market across the way. Did you know that? In 1986, the church sent a work team of 20 people to Japan um, to support some of our missionaries, the Rosses. In 1987, the church sent a team of puppeteers led by a guy named um, Irwin, Mag- not Merwin, Irwin Magnuson, actually Merwin's son, um, sent a, a team of puppeteers to the Philippines to minister to some churches there. I mean, this church had a global reach. In 1988, the church began a fall festival event that grew to over 1,000 in attendance over the years. And sometime between the 80s and the 90s, and, and by the way, I was 10 years old. I was in fifth grade. By the time, between the 80s and 90s, our church began to struggle internally. And I've only heard stories. So if I'm not getting the story right, then, then I'm sure somebody after the service will, will let me know. But from what I've heard, what Pastor Gordon has told me, the church began to struggle and say, our, our community's changing. Do we stay here or do we move the building? I mean, do we sell the property and move? And it really became this struggle. And, and really what they did is they didn't change the original vision. They went back to it in a dramatic way. That this is the neighborhood that, that our, our forefathers, the people who built this church, had in mind. This is the neighborhood that we wanted to reach for Christ. This is the neighborhood that popped up around the church we cannot pull out now. We can't abandon now. In fact, Lindy was telling me before the service that Pastor Gordon came to this church and said, the only way that I will come here is if you decide not to move. And the church decided to stay right where it's at. 
I'm glad that it did, and I think that was a marvelous decision, and I think that that was inspired by God even. So it seemed to me that somewhere in the late 80s or 90s, when everyone was listening to Vanilla Ice, <laughs> our church, not everybody, I didn't listen to it, but I'm sure many of you did. Ice, ice, baby. You guys, know, you guys are thinking it too, huh? Stop, collaborate, and listen. Ice is back with a brand new, okay. He even talks about harpooning. Okay. Anyways, vanilla ice, I don't get it. But the way that we get to tell who we are, the way that we understand who we are, goes deeply back into our history. Understanding our vision and what God is moving us to in the future goes way back to understanding our history and where we came from. I mean, this is why your parents, you always ask your parents to tell you stories. Because you deeply want to find out who you are. This is why you go back and read scripture, because you want to find out more about who you are. This is why you're inquisitive. This is why God put this in you, because you want to know who you are and what you want to become. And as our church begins to form, continue to form identity, we need to know who we are, where we came from, and where it is that we're going. So the, the board decided that we would stay, that we had to develop not necessarily a new identity, but we had to go back to the notion of reaching the community for Christ. That we had to go back to this idea that Jesus was primary number one and we didn't need to just reach internally in our own um, circles, but we actually needed to reach out into the community. Like I said, the demographic was beginning to change in the community and that was a little scary. And yet, some people stayed here and said, no, we need to be a multi-ethnic, multicultural church. And we need to reach out, we need to begin to look more like the community and less like a commuter church. So, in fact, we changed our name from Arrow Highway Wesleyan Church to Neighborhood Christian Fellowship to reflect the idea that we want to reach the neighborhood. We even identified a five-mile radius around the church as our neighborhood. And we haven't actually done as many world missions lately because we're a neighborhood church, because we want to reach the neighborhood, although we strongly believe in world missions strongly believe in world missions. We've, we've primarily stuck to our neighborhood and our community because that's what our main focus is. So through the arduous process of self-discovery, our church adopted a vision statement that is now in your bulletin. It's actually now in the, it's the very front of your bulletin. And so if you take that out, I'd like us all to read that together. And, um, and uh, it's not on the screen, so... I'll just start reading when I hear pages stop turning. So we're going to start reading this. Ready? We are a Christian community called to worship God by impacting our neighborhood through meeting physical, educational, and spiritual needs, resulting in devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That is our vision statement. This is a statement of saying, this is who we are. As Ed and, and Jung go to, um, go to Hawaii, a part of that goes with them. As Mark and Vicky go to where they'll minister next, that goes with them. Mark was actually instrumental in helping us develop our core values, which are on our website. You can see God first is the first one, Scripture is the next one, but are, and compassion's in there. But the discipleship, 
These are instrumental in that. And so we've all been formed by some ministry that Mark and Vicky have done. We've all been formed by this. And this is something that they will take with them. And wherever you go is something that we take with them, that, that God wants us to minister to those around us. God wants us to have compassion. God wants us to meet needs, physical, spiritual, educationally. God wants us to go into the lives of the broken. Last week we dug through Luke chapter 4, and we, we dug through this whole idea that Jesus... Um, in his very first sermon, offended his people crazy and said, you know, God could have done anything, but he went to his enemies and healed them. He went to the widow at Zephrath and, and raised her son from the dead. He healed Naaman the Syrian of leprosy, and, and then actually that, that leprosy went back onto a, a Jewish guy. And what Jesus was saying here is, listen, I'm not just for you. Although you are, Israel saw themselves as those in the God's light to this world. He said, I'm not just for you, I'm for everybody. And we need to have that mentality as well, that God is for everyone. So this week, we're telling the story. We're not digging deep into scripture, although the next couple weeks, I guarantee you bring your Bibles because we'll be flipping through those things. This week, we're telling the story. This vision statement is a statement about who we are. Jesus didn't come just for the pure and the perfect. He came to go into broken homes and to messy lives. So before we even get into some scripture today, I wanted to tell you some stories about lives that I saw changed before my eyes. And it never gets old. Seeing life change happen right before your eyes never gets old. It always reinvigorates you. It always excites you. I remember one day when, when Pastor Mark had first started coming to this church, I remember one day um, a, a man and a woman came in, and they needed to meet with a pastor. And Pastor Mark was there, and I was there. And Mark said, hey, why don't we all meet? And he led those people to Christ right there in that very room. I don't know if you remember that, but I, that's something that I remember to this day. In his office, he led these, this couple to Christ. And I sat back and went, wow, we've only been meeting for like five minutes and already these, this couple has started a new relationship with Jesus. That's incredible. There's a couple kids I want to talk about. When I first came to this church in October 2003, I was to me- blessed to meet these two punk kids. And when I say punk, you have no idea. <laughs> these kids were punks. One time... One time, our, uh, all of our lights went out in our church, and we were like, what is going on here? Why is uh, all of our electricals messed up? Turns out they did a few thousand dollars worth of damage. They were trying to turn the lights on to the basketball courts. <laughs> they did a few thousand dollars worth of, worth of damage in the process because there were some wires, there were some switches, and we didn't have those panels locked. Now they're all locked. But they, they flipped a bunch of switches and broke some breakers, and it caused, caused some damage. Well... There's a woman in this church named Miriam Spink who would corner me. Every week, she'd corner me, and she'd get me into a corner, and she'd wave that finger. She was this tall. She'd wave that finger at me, and she would say, I need the most updated youth roster because those kids need to be prayed for. And so I'd give her the most updated youth roster. She would pray for those kids. And Randy Southern drums for us almost every week. C.J. Mayfield is a guy who's, I mean, he's, he's here, he comes, he mainly comes Sunday nights, but these are guys who've been solid Christian guys for years now, and they were just a couple punk junior hires who started fights, who got in the way, who broke into my office, 
who you know, stole things and stuff like that, but met Jesus and changed in a dramatic way. Not because of me, but because Jesus moved into the neighborhood. Because God took flesh on. And this church said, Jesus took flesh on. This is a big deal. Jesus moved into his neighborhood. This is a big deal. We need to do the same thing. They live houses down. I mean, we could throw a rock and hit their houses. Jesus moved in the neighborhood. Another kid named Shane. Um, I first met Shane when he was in junior high. Shane um, was another punk. He was a skater. We had a skate park at the time. And um, it took him a few years to connect. But he had the long hair. He, would, uh, he had the bad mouth. You know, he, had, he was just the classic skater kid, the classic rebel. And uh, one time we convinced him that he would like surf camp. And he came to surf camp. And he met Jesus in a powerful way. He met Jesus. He got connected. He actually, it wasn't, it wasn't me again. He got connected with some of our volunteers. Some of the people who said, yeah, I'll be used by God to be in youth ministry. Why not? He got connected with some of our volunteers and met Jesus in a powerful way. A year later, he was a student leader in our youth group. Six months after that, he came into my office and said, I need to quit student leadership. And I, said, I was blown away. I said, why? He said, I don't think I could be a Christian anymore. And I went, well, I was blown away again. I said, well, why? And he said that he had been convinced and he just knew that Jesus didn't exist because of evolution. And we went back and forth on debates and stuff because we just did. And, but we, the point is, nobody in our church would let him go. Everybody continued to pray for him. Our volunteers continued to meet with him. I continued to meet with him. And a few years later, we had him up on Ethos on Sunday night uh, in a, in, on Easter. And we did a living proof with Shane. Shane was our living proof that he had met again. He had met Jesus in a powerful way, and this time it stuck. And Shane right now, um, going through this, learned that his parents were getting divorced. Their house was being taken um, because of uh, some financial things. Learned as he was moving out that his dad again started dealing speed. Learned that his mom had not seen his mom for a couple days, learned she moved to Idaho. I mean, the, the brokenness and the tragedy, yet Jesus moved into the neighborhood. Jesus moved into this kid's life. And we got to see this all happen in our church. And now, he, actually, it's a joint effort between our church and Paznaz, Pasadena Church in the Nazarene. He goes there and comes here sometimes. But even as I think about that kid, I tear up because our vision was implemented and kids and people were changed. I mean, we could go around this room and you could say, yes, I've been changed. We could talk about each one of our stories for, for time and time again, but Jesus moved into the neighborhood and people were changed. I have one more story, and this is a quick one because this just happened in 2011. Junior higher named Victoria. Isn't it funny how it all starts in junior high? Very formative age. Uh, junior higher named Victoria uh, from our community. Uh, comes with a friend to church the Wednesday before surf camp. And we said, hey, we've got like three spots left at surf camp. Do you want to go? And she goes, that sounds awesome. And we were like, yep, it's awesome. And she came, met Jesus again in a powerful way, now comes to youth group on Wednesday nights, will not miss in a soccer uniform. We just thought she came after soccer practice. She, makes, she made a deal with her coach and makes her parents take her in the middle of soccer practice because she will not miss coming to church 
She won't miss it. Because Jesus moved in to the neighborhood, because the word became flesh, because God stepped across time and space, and he stepped into the community and stepped into our lives, and nothing was the same after that. Now, this is where we've been, and this is where I want to see us going. I want to see story after story after story. And I'd love to, you guys to tell me, oh, you know, Dave, or, and some of you are calling me Pastor Dave, which is a little weird for me, but it's okay. Um, I, I've been a pastor for a while, so I guess I should get used to it. Um, this happened, and it happened in a dramatic way. I want to hear those stories. I want to see people sitting here, and, and, and this whole notion of you never would have thought that this person would be in church today. I, I want to hear those stories. I want to see ministry starting that we would have never imagined and people coming to Jesus and inviting people in the neighborhood to come to meet Jesus in powerful ways because God stepped across time and space and into your life. Our task as a church is not just to invite other people to church, although we ought to be doing that. Our task as a church is to bring Jesus to people who are hurting and who are suffering. I think the clearest way for us to grasp our vision and to do something incredible is to know our context, is to know our history, is to know where our vision came from. And we need to know what Jesus is calling us to. So come next week because that's our next little thing, what Jesus is calling. Anyways, and we need to intimately know Christ So as we begin to close out this time of study, one of the things I wanted to do is read to you my favorite psalm. Because as whenever I read this psalm, I connect with God on a deeper way. I connect with God in a way that just uh, just is like God saying, this is who I am, Dave. This is who I am. And I want you to share this with the world. So if you'd flip with me to Psalm 103. Every single year we take a group of students, and I might continue to do this, who knows, on Easter morning, we take a group of students through a sunrise up to Garcia Trail, and there's a cross up there, and I read Psalm 103, because I want them to be revealed. I want them to know who God is, and I want God to reveal himself to them in a powerful way. So Psalm 103, I'm going to read verses 1 through 13, although all of it is good. This is a psalm of David. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits, who forgives all of your sins and who heals your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made, way, he made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to all the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as from the east is to the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord 
has compassion on those who fear him. This is the God who took flesh on. This is the God that moved into the neighborhood. This is the God who wants to partner with you to reach this world in miraculous ways. This is the God that wants to forgive your sins. This is the God that wants to heal you from disease. This is the God who wants to show you what love and compassion look like. This is the God that took skin on in the form of Jesus and is calling us to put his skin on and go to the community. This is that God. Last week I asked, would you all be living to lift, willing to lift with me? We talked about that example of everybody lifting in Bruno, Nebraska in, the, in 1988, everybody lifting this barn and walking a few hundred feet with it. I said, would you be willing to, to lift the heavy load with me? The question this week is the same. Will you lift that weight with us? Will you allow yourself to be spoken to by the Alpha, the Omega, the creator of the universe, and to do things that you would have never imagined? But because of God working in you, all of a sudden you'll have stories like CJ and Randy. You'll have stories like Shane. You'll have stories like Victoria, and so on and so on and so forth. Are you willing to do that? Will your knowledge and faith in Jesus with your knowledge and faith in Jesus, will you take on the flesh and the blood and reach a world that desperately needs him? Let's pray. Jesus, today as we just hear our story, God, the story of how we were born, the story of where we came from, Lord, would that impact us in a powerful way? Lord, each of us would begin to live this story. God, each of us have this calling to to, to partner with you in powerful ways. God, will you speak to each one of us today? Give us clear direction of what to do and where to go. God, there's some people here today who might just need to, for the first time or maybe time and time again, just reclaim their relationship with you. Because I know there's a God that's slow to anger and abounding in love. God, so for that first time, we just pray that that connection would happen right now. God, that people would just echo a prayer up in their hearts to you. Whether they need to reconnect or whether it's for the first time. Jesus, we pray for powerful things to happen at this church. God, we pray for your spirit to fall in a mighty way. God, and as we begin to, to get into studying your word the next few weeks, and Lord, would you just would you just powerfully speak to us? God, would you transform this landscape? God, would this community beg for our presence at this church because of the transformation that you will give in people's lives? Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen.